He's so faithful. John chapter 3, verse number 17. I'm coming off of obviously a verse that's so very incredible and famous and everyone probably could quote it, John 3, 16. But look at verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen. God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Would you say amen to the Word of the Lord? Amen. Now, I, I, this is a disclaimer, I guess. This is a series. So if you just hear part one, you may miss the context, and especially because the title of part one isn't all that people-friendly. So just stay with me and come through the series, and in December... You'll get the whole picture, but I preach to you for a few moments. Christmas is for losers. Just stay with me now, and uh, we'll get we'll get into this series, and you'll understand. But today we start with Christmas is for losers. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we have so many good and wonderful blessings. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Father. And the greatest gift, God sent His Son. Oh, what a blessing that we have salvation, redemption, and the glory of the Lord can be revealed. I thank You for the victory. I thank You for Your presence. I thank You for even today an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this room before we leave. Have Your way and speak to us now through Your Word and through Your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to make a statement here that maybe it will encourage you, encourage me, and, and maybe redirect us to some degree. I want to tell you that anyone can condemn the condemned. Let me give you a more practical example. If I were to walk in here today and the HVAC wasn't working and it was cold. And you said, man, it's so cold in here. Doesn't anybody know it's cold in here? What in the world? Well, yes. Anybody can point out the obvious. When something's broken, it does not take someone that's, that's just really filled with wisdom and understanding to say, well, look at how broken this is. Man, that's broken. That won't work for anything. Anyone can condemn the condemned. I really, I really want you to hear that. I want you to know that in our world, as we move around, anybody can bemoan the troubles of our culture, our society. Anyone can look at the addict and tell them they're addicted. Anyone can look at the man that's overcome with anger and violence and, and he is not controlling himself. Anyone can condemn the condemned. doesn't take a lot of spiritual insight to do that. It doesn't take some revelation to do that. And it even doesn't really take much of the love of God to do that. Anyone can condemn the condemned. And when I look at what has happened through Jesus Christ, when He came to us, we were already condemned. He was perfect and we were condemned. And when He came to us and became sin for us, that was such a major act of the grace of God to redeem us and it was a choice he made not to condemn the condemned, but redeem the condemned. Amen. 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 
Anyone can look at something and, and point out the flaws and point out the things that should be better and not be part of a solution. But you and I serve a Savior that is not in the business of condemning. He's in the business of redeeming. And it is for that reason that I say Christmas is for losers. Now, the first time you see somebody do that, my last name is Linder, so I just figured they're saying L is for Linder. But some people, you know, they think a little bit differently and approach it differently. I'm not trying to be unkind, but I want to point out to you, there is no need to run from the conditions of your life or your heart that seem to need repair. You have a Savior who does not come to condemn. He does not come to discard the broken or discard that thing which needs restoration. He comes to give life and that life more abundantly. He comes to bring salvation. This is about the moment where somebody would kind of get off a little bit of nonchalance and say, wait a minute, he's talking about me. I was wretched. I was blind. I was hopeless. I was lost. But Jesus came and rescued me. Amen. I, I know that when I talk about losing, everyone can immediately, you don't have to be a Michigan fan to know about losing. You don't have to watch the second half of the Big Ten Championship to know what a loser looks like. Those are my last two sports references, I think. <laughs> oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. But we need to be honest. Something in us... That, that every one of us confronts, doesn't matter how much God has done in your life, something in us seems to always default to, to the parts of our life, the parts of our history, even the parts of circumstances we've gone through where the thing that glares at us the most are the things that would cause us to label ourselves. I'm a failure. I didn't do what I should have done. I made a mistake. I don't know how to fix that. And maybe you would go to the extreme of saying, see, I am I'm a loser, but I am here to preach to you today. God, His wonderful plan for you is not to discard the broken, not to do away with those that have made mistakes, but His purpose is to come and to seek and to save losers like me. I almost feel like preaching what the Apostle Paul preached. And I'll just paraphrase. Jesus Christ came into the world to save losers of whom I am chief. I don't know how he found me where he found me and still was interested in giving me an opportunity to experience his blessing. I was born in sin. I don't know about you. I was born flawed. I was born with a carnal nature that has a default setting to the things that don't please God. I was born already out of fellowship with God. It wouldn't have mattered. It didn't matter who my family was. I thank God for a godly mother. But it didn't matter that I had a godly mother. I was already born with strikes against me. Not two strikes, but three strikes against me. I was a loser. In this flesh dwelleth no good thing, 
my predisposition was to choose the things that run opposite the will of God. And so I was already condemned. But I say to you again, we should not take Christmas and relegate it to the perfect people. Relegate it to the people that have made all the right decisions. Relegate it to the people that have the perfect family or the perfect job or just plenty of money in the bank. It doesn't matter where you fit on the spectrum of life. Christmas is for losers. It's for the disconnected. It's for the fearful. It's for the frustrated. It's for the weak. It's for the disheartened. It's for the disillusioned. It's for the depressed. It's for the broken. It's for the hurting. It's for the ones that are in darkness. Christmas is for losers like me. I'm a loser. You're a loser. Wouldn't you like to be a loser too? Or something like that. I don't know. Please do not let the enemy talk you out of the miracle that God has for your life. It is obvious in looking at the life of Jesus. One man said, the more unsavory the character, the more at ease he seemed to feel around them. People that Jesus found appealing. A Samaritan social outcast. A military officer that was a part of Herod's government, a tax collector, all of these misfits and people that most people would shy away from. This is who Jesus looked for. He did not go looking for the religious. He did not go looking for the elite. He did not go looking for the ones that could impress you with who they were. But he found the broken and he found the weak and he found the hurting and he found the struggling and he found the frustrating. Can I tell you frustrated I'll tell you right now I don't always know how to handle those that are in their most vulnerable place but I am so glad I know a savior who knows how to reach down and lift them up and change their heart and give them hope and bring them victory Christmas is for losers like me oh thank God What a Savior who did not come hoping that you would add to Him, but He came intentionally adding to you your heart, your life, your spirit, recreating in you a heart that could have fellowship with God. He came so that He could be tempted. He came so that He could be wounded. He came so that He could be crucified. He came so that He could rise again conquered death, hell, and the grave. He came so He could teach us how to live, how to love, how to worship, how to praise Him from our whole heart, how to operate in this world, even knowing a higher level of life that is driven by the Word and by the Spirit. He came so that all the hopeless cases could have hope. He made Him, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, 
for picking me up and turning me around. Thank you, Lord, for putting my feet on solid ground. Thank you, Lord, for putting joy in my soul. Thank you, Lord, for every single time you have forgiven my sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have not counted my transgressions against me, but you have pointed me towards the solution for my sin condition. Thank you, Lord, for taking this broken loser and giving me eternal life. I don't deserve it, but God is so merciful. In Genesis, we find that moment where immediately every one of us was shifted over into the lost column. In chapter 9, or rather chapter 3, verse number 9, the Lord calls unto Adam and says unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I was afraid. I heard your voice. I, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And, and he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Isn't this just like us? The man blames the woman, the woman blames the serpent, and God has just said, Hey! It doesn't matter who did it. We're all in it together now. The Lord God begins to pronounce judgment upon the serpent. He begins to pronounce uh, his purpose uh, and begins to weave it right there at that moment. It begins to take uh, its absolute genesis. Uh, verse number 15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. What a merciful God who right there at the very moment where we were separated, he said, I'm going to do something that's going to recapture and reclaim those who have now lost and I'm going to give them fellowship again I'm going to give them friendship again with the God that created them I am begging you to recognize one thing about the God that you serve he does not want you to be separated from him he does not want you on the outside looking in he wants you to be near to him he came near so that we could come near he came to us so that we could have relationship with Him. That's what He wants most of all. And for you to grab this label and begin to apply it to every part of your life. To feel like because of your mistakes, your questions, because of your background, because of your family, even because of your own nature. For you to somehow grab a hold of a, a mindset that says, see, others can be blessed but not me. Others can know God but not me. Others can have a mighty move of the Holy Ghost but not me. Others can see a redeeming work of the Holy Ghost but not me. For you to ascribe that to your life is to miss the most amazing thing about Jesus coming. He came for losers. He wants you. Our redemption has always been on his mind. 
John chapter 3, verse 16, many of you can quote it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's come for losers. First Timothy chapter 1, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He's come for losers. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but now being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. He came for us so that we could have relationship with him so that we can experience his purpose and his goodness in our lives from the very beginning of our fall as mankind god activated a plan in fact jesus christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world so even before adam's creation there was a plan in motion for the obvious problem that would develop when he gave us free will and in this room today god is not shocked by your sin god is not shocked by your poor choices god is not shocked by the mess you've made for yourself but what you need to do is not run from those things but simply come to the Lord and say Lord I got a situation on my hands but that preacher's up there screaming to remind me that you care about people like me you care about families like mine you care about situations like the one I'm in and hey, is there anybody that's ever found Jesus to be faithful even when you were unfaithful amen Brother Brad is a coach. I think Brother Caleb is a coach. And maybe others of you have been in this process. And, and it's not like the schoolyard when I was growing up. They would, they would say, okay, you pick and then you pick and then you pick and then you. Boy, nobody wanted to be the last one picked. <laughs> and then if you were the last one chosen. And you could tell it was a mercy choice. <laughs> you knew it. They're already planning for the game. And then the guy, oh yeah, we'll take him. You, they won't even let you in the huddle. Not even good enough to carry the water. Outcast. Not wanted. Nothing of value. That's the way he finds us. I don't want to demean your education. I don't want to demean your family. I don't want to demean even anything that you have going for you. Thank God for talents and for abilities. I, I don't want to demean your heritage, your culture. I don't want anybody to feel like we don't want to respect and understand those values and those benefits. But I am begging you when it comes to relationship with God, when it comes to eternal life, when it comes to salvation, we have nothing that we can do of our own except for choose Christ. We are always going to be the the last one selected because of our sin, because of our mistakes, because of our attitude at times. But there's a God who says, I want that one on my team. I want to anoint him. I want to bless him. I want to help him. I want to give him power. I want to give him victory. I want to use him. I want to make my love work in his life. That's my team. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God 
that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All men. It's not a qualification. It's not a criteria where you need to be approved and you need to be qualified to be a part of the kingdom of God. The grace of God has appeared to all men. And what is happening? He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Christmas is for people that when they look at their lives, they can be honest and say, I just don't know if it'll ever get any better than this I think there's only one thing I can tell you today is you're not the only one hallelujah I know you live in a world I live in a world where everyone is good at hiding the flaws concealing both physical appearance and then even the the story of our lives we do our best to minimize those things that bring us shame not telling you that you can be even healthy with all people. I don't know that everyone can handle your baggage. I, I know that happens. And you share something with someone and they can't deal with it. And, and they don't seem to reflect love and kindness and compassion. And then you feel a further wound because, man, I, I tried to open up. I thought these people loved me. And when I opened up my heart, they shunned me or, or they pushed me aside. I understand that goes on in our culture. I understand that could possibly even right now frame your perspective as it relates to church and, and a preacher and what goes on on in religion. I understand that you could be walking around and even in this room today, even though you feel the love of God in your mind, you're saying, well, how nice for these people. I just don't know. It will do much for me. I am begging you to come to a place of revelation today. There is a God who loves you and nothing can separate you from his love. He is able right now to save you to the uttermost. I don't know what your challenge is, but I know a God who is a healer. I know a God who is a deliverer. I know a God. Hey, I got good news for you. God is not going to push you away. He's going to welcome you. Hallelujah. We sing joy to the world and people are walking around without even any concept that joy could ever come again to their lives. I know that we should rejoice. But while we're rejoicing, I beg of you to open your eyes and open up your hearts to people around you. That joy seems like such a foreign concept and hope seems like a foreign concept. You and I are beginning to see a, prolifer a proliferation of people in our culture and our society as they begin to give over to fear and depression and spirits of darkness. We're seeing people take their own lives. We're seeing people give themselves over to abuse and to alcoholism and, and to pain medicines and addicting themselves. I'm just here to tell you there are too many people that don't know Jesus died for them. So we should be on a mission to make sure they understand this is not an exclusive club. This is a house full. No disrespect. When you walked in today, you walked into a bunch of losers. You're probably trying to get out of here right now. You're like, if they just stand one time and close their eyes, I'm out of here. Bunch of losers. We need to confront our condition once in a while so that we can say, oh, it is amazing grace. 
It is amazing grace. Oh, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. With the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb of God, I have been redeemed. And because of Him, I can believe in God. And I can have faith and hope that is in God. Yes, I'm a loser. But I have a God who has redeemed me anyway. He's not ashamed of you. Martin Luther said Christ is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, he even puts them in his family tree. Now, if the Lord will do that for everyone that you read about in Scripture, why won't he do it for you? Jesus is talking to a woman at that well in John chapter 4. And she said, Five husbands, and we don't really know. It, it doesn't mean that she was divorced and remarried five times. It could have been a widowed situation. It could have been any number of things. But she was now with someone that wasn't even her husband. You talk about dysfunction. And, and, and amazingly, the disciples, not even on their radar. It's very likely that they passed her by going to the well as they were leaving. They passed her by. And I'm sure what they did is what... People of that culture did. Here comes a Samaritan woman. Hey, there's nothing to do with that. Jesus has a conversation with her. He begins to relate to her and begins to open up his own recognition of her condition. And all the while, he is leading her to a moment where he's going to say, He that believeth on me, uh, out, of, out of your belly uh, is going to flow rivers of living water. I know he says that in John chapter 7. But he tells her, he says, listen, you have a little water pot and you think you can get some water to take care of the rest of the day. But I can put a well inside of you that will transform your life and you'll go from being an outcast You'll go from being a loser. You'll go from being somebody that's conversation at every dinner table to being somebody that has a relationship with Almighty God that has the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. My life doesn't end where it started. And it doesn't end where it found me. I can have new life. I can have the Holy Ghost. Why does the redemption business matter so much to God? Number one, I mentioned it already. He doesn't want this separation to remain. He wants us to be in relationship with him. There is a never a moment. Please hear me. I'm trying to wrap this up. I see the runway. I can almost, almost taste my lunch. I don't even know what it is, but I know it's coming. He do, there's no moment of your life where God doesn't want you. I'm talking to a bunch of losers. You think that make you happy? There's never a moment in your life where God doesn't want you. You're horrible, 
thought process sometimes. My horrible thought process sometimes. Where our attitude is so messed up. I talked about before walking around condemning the condemned. That's so easy for us. And when we're in our deepest, darkest place, it is still not a moment where God does not want us. He is not willing that any should perish. On your worst day, in your worst moment, in a season of your life where you haven't done a thing right, God does not want you to be separated from Him. And so He wants you to turn to Him. Amen. Hallelujah. So number one, He is so intent on redeeming you because He doesn't want this separation to exist. Number two, he wants to receive glory from our lives. So in 1 Corinthians, the apostle writes, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But rather in a couple of verses, he says, but that all should absolutely give God the glory. That's what he wants to see happen. He wants people to say, God can use her. God can use him. God blesses those kind of people. He wants to receive the glory. And so he'll take the people nobody else wants so that he can be glorified in what happens with their lives. Would you stand with me? Number one, he does not want this separation to exist. He doesn't want it to continue. When you're walking around thinking that God doesn't love you so you won't talk to him. You're thinking that God's forgotten about you so you won't talk to him. When you're walking around saying it's just a drudgery, everything I thought I believed in is absolutely nothing. I don't even know if I care about when you're walking away, walking around in that mindset. And yes, maybe even walking away. God doesn't want that separation. He wants you to be by his side. Even some of the, the most diabolical characters of, of, of the history of mankind and even in the scripture, God is not willing that any should perish. Praise God. Number two, he wants glory from your life. And number three, he wants us to rule and reign with him forever. God's got, he's really good at seeing the long term. Seeing the big picture. Maybe that's the way we're saying. He, he sees things. We get so locked in. He sees way out into the future, which by the way, could begin any moment now. And he sees eternity. You ruling and reigning with him. He is not in one, for one moment, all that concerned with what you are today, as long as you let him transform you into what he wants you to be for eternity. Amen. We've got to stop talking to ourselves about what losers we are, even though I've just preached about it for about 30 minutes. We need to start saying, yes, I may be a loser, but I got a God who's got big plans for me. Amen. I got a God who's got big plans for me. I got a God who loves me. I don't know if we even want to think about it. I don't know if we understand. We're not, I mean, thank God, we're not just, you know, he doesn't need just a church. 
He doesn't need just a group of people to get together a few times a week and just kind of honor him. This is God's operation is so much more grand than that. He's looking to have a mighty army that's going to rule and reign and live with him forever. And really, at that moment, the only loser will be the devil. The accuser of the brethren will be cast down. And we will walk in faith and in boldness. I want to pray a prayer of repentance before I ask you to come and ask the Lord to touch your heart today. Let's pray. Jesus, would you forgive us? Would you purify us? Would you let us have today a brand new revelation of your love and your mercy and your goodness for our lives? I pray in the name of Jesus that a healing would flood this audience right now. That a spiritual healing would come. That a spiritual cleansing would come. That every individual that repents would begin to feel the weight lifted right now in the name of Jesus there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus